good evening. I get to be your host for the next hour or so here on Bible Beacon Broadcast. I am Pastor Michael Miano, pastor of the Blue Point Bible Church, director of the Power of Preterism Network, which you can now see a couple of uh, of the brief details of what we're looking to offer through the Power of Preterism Network at the Power of um, I'm sorry, powerofpreterism.com. So uh, that's me. That's who I am. I uh, I seek to encourage the body of Christ to grow into Jesus and display that to the world. I had an awesome conversation today while Christmas shopping. I'm sure all of you can understand my uh, lateness. I apologize that I uh, came on the show late. I've been uh, running around like a maniac all day. You know, it's that good old Christmas season. And uh, the gr- thing I'm grateful for is that during the day, you know, with all the stresses, you know, and I, I surely um, live in the tension of stress you know i understand that well i'm a very i'm a busy body i'm constantly saying i could be doing be doing five things at once uh i know there has to be somebody tuning into tonight's show that can uh, understand that burden and you know i'm just i'm always busy always constantly involved with so much stuff if i don't uh prioritize very well i uh i do prioritize well let me not be too hard on myself i prioritize well however i i have a hard time saying no I think that's the right way of putting it. So uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, you see that come out in my life, and then sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Sometimes I'm burdened. Sometimes I appreciate the burden, you know, on and on. So uh, I ask you to pray for me during the holiday season, and I'll pray for you. Amen. I think that's uh, where we can find a healthy medium and uh, grow in our faith. You know, as I thought about today's show, I want to also apologize that I wasn't on this morning. Um, again, a bunch of things came up this morning. You know, we're hosting a Christmas Eve service here at Blue Point Bible Church, and I'm excited. You know, we're kind of uh, using the evening as a great advantage to not only show what Blue Point Bible Church represents here on Long Island and in our community, um, but also to uh, kind of put a different spin on the Christmas story. And my goal is to uh, really hit home, I guess is the right way to put it. I, I want – and you know what? Let me tell you because this is where I want to go with tonight's show. This is – I'm, I'm going to lay it out for you. Um my desire for the body of Christ during the Christmas season into 2015, and what I especially desire um, to see within the, you know, we'll call it the preterist movement, and um, you know, something I've been exhorting my congregation here at Blue Point Bible Church about is a uh, growing into the things we speak about. You know, we went through the entire month of November at our church, going through things such as prayer and uh, you know what it means to be a child of the light, and how do we walk worthy of such a name and such a title. And, uh, you know, we talked about prayer, um, fellowship, coming to church, why that's important, why it is important to be a part of a local church. I'm sure many of you uh, have have already gotten your copy of Fulfilled Magazine, where they had uh, Stuck in a Futurist Church on the cover. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit on tonight's show. And uh, But really, ultimately, what I, what I wanted to get to the point of is that I want us to grow into the things that we, we speak about. You know, for example, within the preterist community, it's very popular to say that, you know, A.D. 70 was the time of judgment, the resurrection of the dead, the time of all the promises, and we today are living in the current reality of the new heavens and new earth. However, you know, I'm going to be hard on us. I don't know if that's hit home for a lot of people, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. Sometimes I wonder, you know, do we really live? Do we believe? Are we exercising our faith? Because again, as I spoke with somebody earlier this morning, faith is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not something you know you possess. It's something you do. You live out your belief by walking in faith. You know, for example, uh, I always use Simon Peter. Simon Peter's in the boat, and Simon Peter sees this ghost or whatever it is um, coming on the water, and Simon Peter immediately, you know, he says, "Well, if if that is the Lord, and you know, Jesus says it is I," and 
Peter understanding it is I am as you know a call to claim to deity and who he knew Jesus to be decided to get out of the water, out of the boat and, and step into the water in faith meaning he believed who Jesus was he believed in you know the promises according to the Messiah he believed that this was the deity in front of him so he acted on faith and he got out of the boat and you know and unfortunately we know what ends up happening he ends up looking at the things around him the waters and so forth and he uh you know he falls that's that, that that's uh I think common to all of us, you know. So again, that's where I'm trying to focus our, our discussion tonight. Um, I have a couple of different concepts I want to deal with on our broadcast, where I believe that we could be uh, understanding the implications of our faith. You know, what does it mean? And this is something that you know, again, we we say it a lot. You know, I hear, uh, for example, Berean Bible Church. They hold hold a conference every year, and I, I've seen on their banner, you know, uh, what is it like life after AD seventy. And I know that's like a hot topic, you know, uh, what's life like after AD 70? And, you know, quite frankly, I'll just say that I've sought since I've been within, you know, the, the preterist view or even before I was within the preterist view. Um, I've sought to live in the reality of being a Christ follower, regardless of whether I'm living before the coming of Christ or after the coming of Christ. All that changed for me was the motivation and what the gospel means for us today. It didn't really, you know, alter my faith. I, I, again, I was a follower of Jesus looking to the judgment and believing I would be judged based on my fellowship. And if now I come to the understanding that that's in my past, I simply ha live now to glorify my Messiah for all that I've come to understand that he has accomplished. That's what we're saying in preterism. You know, I want to talk to you tonight as if we're sitting at a table. Unfortunately, you'd just be listening to me preach because you can't talk back. Um, I know a lot of people tune into the show by phone, so they call into the show. So, um... You know what I'll do is I'll try to keep my eye on the broad on the and uh if I see any of those numbers disappear and then come back I'll take that as if you're really trying to call into the show and you have something to say. Um I'll leave I try to leave time at the end of the show and that way we could uh, do that. So again, probably around um 8:15 or so I'm going to you know be quiet and uh look for callers and see if anybody wants to call and has anything to follow up on what I'm speaking about. So again, I want to harp on the implications of our theology. For example, uh, yesterday, uh, this morning, I posted a uh, status I had seen a, a sister in Christ share on Facebook. And, you know, again, we're going to talk a lot about Facebook because we know that, you know, the preterist movement definitely is alive and well on Facebook. Sometimes it's hard to see where that's at in my community. Um, I, I'm, I praise God that we have Blue Point Bible Church and we're, you know, we're a growing congregation. We're reaching people. We're uh, seeking to grow in the knowledge of God in, in all aspects, not only, you know, what that means as far as what we're telling people about the end times, but what does that mean as far as how we operate as a congregation? Or what does that mean as far as how we receive visitors or how we act to uh, the people at the mall? Or what's our mission in life? You know, these are, these are important details that we must not forget when we get so obsessed with what the Bible's speaking about. For example, uh, let me explain where I'm coming from. So I shared this uh, photo on Facebook this uh, this morning, and it said, "Refuse to be content with just the knowledge of God, but insist on experiencing His presence." And it's by Kerry Weems. Now I imagine, I, again, I don't know who Kerry Weems is. Okay, I just read this, took it at face value, and I said, "Amen, amen." And a brother in Christ, a very solid, strong brother in Christ, responded with, you know, a. Uh, a statement such as, I think that the biggest problem facing Christians is not an over-intellectual approach to God, but an over-sentimentality, feelings and experience. You want drugs? Do them, but don't get high on religion. Now, 
I agree with the brother right there. I, I've been uh, – time and time again, I've been the person to say that you know we've over-sentimentalized – up. messed that one up. If you listen to my sermons, you hear me do that a lot. So uh, again, I'm not going to try that word. So, uh, But we've made it a very emotional experience. It's all about some experience. We're all groping after this experience of you know um, being high on Jesus or being drunk on the Spirit or something. You know, again, that makes uh, a fun evening. That makes for uh, jokes and stuff, and it, it, it makes for a lot of excitement. However – I believe that we should be growing in our knowledge. You know, we should be. You know, I don't. I don't believe that we're over intellectualizing anything. However, refusing to be content with just the knowledge of God is me being the person that I am. I absorb scripture. I love reading scripture. You know, yesterday I was talking to people at church about how I. Um, I'm sorry, not yesterday. Uh, Sunday I was uh, sharing with some people at church about how I, when I first came to Christ, I devoured the Word of God, and you know, I appealed to. The, I, um, Ezekiel, where Ezekiel says he ate that scroll and it tasted sweet like honey, and you know that's how I felt about the Word of God. And I've, I've continued my whole walk. I've just loved reading through Scripture. I've loved now. I've I've fallen in love with the narrative, and it just upsets me that so many Christians are falling short of a full understanding of the biblical narrative. I'll tell you more exciting details about that as we go on. So you know, I'm excited about the knowledge. Now, my knowledge has produced, you know, again, a website you could go to, zealandpoweredbyknowledge.com. That's a website for my ministry. And that's exactly what it's produced. This isn't, you know, gimmicks. These aren't phrases that we're just coming up with to try to be catchy and fun. No, again, zeal empowered by knowledge. The knowledge of God has literally compelled me to live an entirely different way than I was living before. My values, my morals, my goals, my agenda, my, you know, again, I have an agenda. You know, it, it, a lot of here I hear Christians say, "I don't have an agenda. I have an agenda." Amen. My agenda is to preach the gospel by all means necessary. My my agenda is as the you know as Apostle Paul says, "I am compelled to preach the gospel." Yes, was he looking to a future judgment that it was a very uh, urgent time to preach the gospel and um, to get people you know to listen to the words of Jesus, obviously, so they would heed the physical command to leave Jerusalem during that time of judgment, and also that they would receive the physical the promise of the spiritual promises. You know, as they witnessed the physical promises come under or the physical come under judgment, so they were inheriting the spiritual promises. So again, these are things that we take for granted as you know, quote unquote, preterists, or I would simply say as quote unquote, consistent Christians. And I think that the more we we begin to live out the implications, we we begin to understand what does it mean. You know, I'm a preterist. That means that I understand that all things have been fulfilled. That means that I understand my reality of living in a new heavens and new earth. That means that I, I understand the reality that there's nothing else outside of Jesus Christ that is going to bring me to God, that is going to satisfy God's judgment upon my wicked sins, that I have no problem, again, looking in the mirror and, you know, again, I'm not ugly. I'm hoping that's not what you think when I say that. Um, however, you know, looking in that spiritual mirror, you know, and I, I know a lot of people appeal to the law. Again, you can do that. That's that's That would be edifying. Look to 613 laws, and I guarantee you, you'll have no problem seeing your depraved wickedness. However, I would give you 10 or 2. You know, there you go. I'll give you two laws, and I'll show you where you do not accomplish them. Love God with all your heart, mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you're an honest individual, let's walk with some integrity here. If we're not walking in that, we know we're depraved. We know that we don't love our neighbors. We love ourselves. We know that we don't love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. Even when we try. And, you know, it's amazing. I've been reading through John Calvin's wisdom on that. And, you know, John Calvin shows how we are totally depraved. That even when we desire, you know, the Apostle Paul, the verse that many people will use, you know, I desire to do good, but I do wrong. I desire to do wrong, but I do good. You know, so that, therefore, it's not me that's doing the good, but something else within me. Amen. 
And, you know, I understand the Apostle Paul was under law, and he was, again, he was looking at that 613 laws and saying, man, I, I have no problem seeing my depravity or my failure to appease God's righteous law. Again, all we have is a very simplified, very condensed, very truthful, is that the way, don't you think you kind of hash out all the details as time goes on, and then you get to the, the core, the diamond? And I believe that's what God was doing with Israel, and that's what he, that's where he, what he accomplished for us believers. So, that's what we should be growing into, amen? That, that's our, our goal as we're understanding preterism, as we're understanding biblical Christianity, as we're understanding church history, whatever it might be. We're growing into Jesus. We're seeking to display God's glory to the world. We're seeking to explain to the world around us why it must be Jesus. Are we like, are we Christians? <laughs> you know, that, that, sometimes I sit there and I wonder that. I read through my Facebook stuff and I'm like, why would you rebuke the fact that we must begin, we must want to insist on experiencing his presence over simply being content with just the knowledge of God? I'm not content with just the knowledge of God. I insist on experiencing, living out the application and the implication of all that Christ has accomplished. To me, that's what's God glorifying. One night I was talking to a friend, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, I don't know if Jesus, when he was talking to Simon Peter, that he would have sat there and he would have said to Simon Peter, I want you to argue with people 2,000 years later about what I'm about to tell you right now. You know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So he wanted us to argue about what meek was 2,000 years later, right? Or what the earth was that they would inherit 2,000 years later. Or that they inherited the, the, the earth 2,000 years later. You see how all of those almost strike at the sovereignty of who God is and what God has accomplished? Do you see how dangerous that is? So, no. What, what Jesus was saying and why Jesus was teaching the way he was to his apostles or to his disciples, who would be the apostles, was live out this reality. Blessed are the meek. Therefore, I want you to be meek. Therefore, you will inherit the earth. That's what he's saying to him. He's not saying argue with people about this 2,000 years later. Yet, here we are. And I know I, I might be being hard on us. And I, again, I, I just I think that we're – how does it go? I, I've heard people say this before. You know, We're not living in our full potential. You know, we see movies of this stuff all the time. I see all these sentimental movies where you know it's like a young young man's on a basketball team and he's you know doing drugs or something and he's, he's staying away from what he was really intended to be. And you know, if I have to compare that to the church today, I have no problem doing so. That's a harsh indictment, but it's so true. I want to share with you. Uh, I was reading today. You know, really. Lately, I've just been – obviously, if you've been listening to my shows or my podcasts or anything, you know, and you're just getting to know me on a personal level, you'll know that I've really been growing into certain areas of just wanting to live out the implications of Christ's message. And again, I'm not – don't – let me not worry any of my brothers and sisters out there. That does not mean that I'm ever, I would ever put down my Bible or seek to defend the, the pure, unadulterated truth from the Word of God. I'm not, you know, I'm not becoming one of the softies that's going to kind of go off into emotional, you know, everything. We should just love everything. No, no again, I, I believe there's biblical standards for what I'm preaching, and I, I will defend that. I'm actually looking to publish a book later in the year defending exactly that, you know, speaking about why I believe that we should be living out the implications rather than arguing about the, the, the details or the accomplishments. Again, you know, there's a big argument within preterism about it. You know… While I believe that it robs God, again, I believe it robs God to fail to understand the full need of the full atonement that was accomplished in AD 70. 
I, I do. I believe that Rob's God. It, it's that severe to me. However, I, I don't believe that it was Christ's goal for me to have the perfect right doctrine in 2014 and be able to argue with people about the atonement. While I do believe I'm called to rebuke and attend to the word of God and challenge people in regards to these teachings that I deem false. Again, I'm supposed to exhort in sound doctrine and rebuke those who oppose it. That's our call according to scripture, especially if you consider yourself a leader in the quote-unquote church. You know, we might even put leader in quote-unquote. But, uh, you know, again, we that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be edifying each other. We're supposed to be living in this image. We're supposed to be trying to grow into Christ. And I wanted to read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul's encouragement to Timothy. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here you go. You see, we're catching it already. This is actually the... Um, the foundation of the each one teach one philosophy, I hear so many people say. Right there, Apostle, Apostle Paul's words, inspired by God. Suffer hardships with me as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. As if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to first receive his share of the crops. First, consider what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardships even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the, the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that in Christ Jesus and, its, and all of its eternal glory, it is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will, he will also deny us. If we are faithful... Or if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things. Now, here you go, the Apostle Paul. Now, he just glorified Christ. He showed the works of Christ and how we were called to just be set apart and live for the glory of God alone. You know, compete in the race. Race to win. And then he goes on and he says, remind them of these things. You know, the brothers around him. And solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of yours. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like the gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Okay, so now what we have is the Apostle Paul just has encouraged the um, Timothy to not wrangle about words, not argue with people. You know, let, if people want to be stupid and they want to be stuck on stupid, let them stay there. Do not toss your pearls before swine. You know, again, we're, I believe sometimes that we're we're seeking our own agenda in arguing and debating, and we're not glorifying Christ. That's not glorifying God when we're, we're – you know, some, there comes a point – again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be debating and we shouldn't be challenging each other, especially in Facebook. But when we get into these arguments where – especially when somebody goes off course and they start name-calling or something, get out of it. So, you know, cause a lot of times I know I'm right, so I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll try to exhort you. I'll try to engage you in the conversation. But, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm like, you know, I, I love agreeing with myself. You know, I, I won't argue with you to that extent if I haven't studied that, and I, I hope you do the same. Um, I, know I understand a lot of people that disagree with, me, disagree with me have studied their things out as well. Again, that's where I will engage in debate, and I'll say, okay, I don't know. Maybe they'll argue with me. Maybe they won't. But when I, we start to get the name-calling and nasty attitudes, 
you know, at that point, and I've seen people say it, you know, you, you forfeited the argument. You admitted I was right. And I'm, I'm just using that from this context. You know, again, don't don't argue. Don't wrangle. That's what he's telling him. Don't, you know, be diligent. Present yourself as a proof to God. You know, accurately handle the word of truth. Avoid empty chatter. It will lead to further ungodliness. You know, just gossips and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, their talk is going to spread like gangrene. You know, and then, and then we know that's what gossip does. It spreads, right? And among these these gossips are these are, is Hymenaeus and Philetus. These men, they've gone astray from the truth. They began to say that the resurrection had already taken place. The resurrection took place before the destruction of the temple, and the law still stood in all of its power. Man, was Jesus was wrong about this one. Because then that means all 613 laws are still binding. For not one jot or tittle will pass from the law until... All is accomplished until everything has been fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not. Those 613 words of that law are God's word. And all of them must be fulfilled, and heaven and earth will not pass away. Therefore, you see right there, Hymenaeus and Philetus, wrong. And that's what they were doing. They were teaching that the law still stood. Oh yeah, you've been raised up. Amen. You've been raised up back into the law. <laughs> Welcome for being saved from nothing. Being saved to your own righteousness, according to law. That's what Hymenaeus and Philetus were doing. They were trying to take these men back. And you know, again, I think we're very hard on them, because I don't believe that they would have made it as harsh as we make it sound. They would have made it very appealing. You know, you know how liars are. They, they make their teaching appealing. You know, they say, oh, you know, it, no, but you come back to the 613 laws. They're amazing. It's, you know, this is the way God wants you to glorify him. These are his words. See, and you begin, you look at the temple, and you say, you know, I don't know. The judgment still has yet to come, and that's what they were saying in those days. We know that. We see this from Peter. Peter goes on to say that, you know, many are scoffing at the end times. Actually, the Apostle Paul is going to say that in uh, one chapter. In chapter 3, he's going to say that. He's going to establish that. But there's many coming that are saying that the Lord's not coming, that his judgment's not coming. Hold fast. Persevere. Be an overcomer. And that's what he's exhorting Timothy here to do. Again, this you know, I, I love the Hymenaeus and Philetus thing because I know people have used that against preterism. But let's continue. So then what he says is, nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone whose name of the Lord whose name who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware and some honor and some of dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for, vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee, flee from youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Now he's giving him direction. He's saying, don't be bound by the, these false teachers. Don't go back to the law. Don't be, you know, no, the Lord knows who are his. He's going to hold firm. And this is a promise coming from Numbers chapter 16, verse 5. He's telling them, though, the Lord knows those who are his. You're, you're saved. You're a part of Israel. Remember, again, what was happening during that time is not all Israel was of Israel. So, you know, that's what they were dealing with in that time. They were, you know, a lot of, you could imagine a lot of pointing hands at each other. He's not saved. He's not saved. You know, it sounds kind of like the church today. Amen. We're, we're, a lot of people are stuck within that, that uh, transitionary mindset, and it, it shows with the implications of their theology. The implications of futurist theology is gossips and pointing and who's saved and who's not and constant accusations. That's why it's ridiculous when preterists engage in that conversation. That's not of us. That's not the world that we're even supposed to be going – we're supposed to be living in. So again, you know, we need, we need to uh, – we need to recognize the world, the mindset that preterists are called to live in. 
So now, if you've if you've cleansed yourself of these things, listen now. Listen to the, the advice he's giving him. Flee from youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness. You know, and, and when he's talking about youthful lusts, I know everybody always goes to like women and stuff like that. It's not what it's talking about. Youthful lusts are selfish desires. The things when you were a child, the things you thought about, the things you were. Could even you know the apostle Paul? I would say that he could possibly even be alluding to the law, because when they were a child, they thought as a child. You know, they were trained up in law. That was their their youthful lust was the desire to please God through the law, through their own works, works righteousness. And he could be, you know, again, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't even uh, argue that. However, that, that looks like from the context, that could be what's being said here. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and joy, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservants must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if Perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. There's a good old election verse for you. Uh, I, I, again, I understand that election was pointing to the events of AD 70. It was speaking about what, those that would be revealed out of the remnant of Israel. Again, that is so clear through the words of Scripture. However, if this book means anything today, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is it's establishing the sovereignty of God again the whole purpose of the story of God establishing his sovereignty in Israel was not that he would retire the next day it was that you know again i know there's some within the the quote unquote preterist movement that believe that that you know god like he he brought this whole transition this whole thing and then all of a sudden ended it that doesn't make any sense the whole work the whole the whole story is you know, leading up to AD 70, establishing his kingdom, as I've seen so many you know, people have done very eloquently, is building the house and then filling the house. You know, I think John Walton brings this out as, you know, in creation, the creation account, how God creates the account and then, um, he creates the earth and then he fills the earth. And I mean, I mean, that's that's beautiful stuff. That's I, I see that as what God has been doing through the whole core of Scripture. So when people argue with me that, oh, well, because, uh, for example, on one recently in church we had a discussion about this, and in church we don't really have arguments. We kind of have uh, discussions. We don't call them arguments. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Amen. So uh, one of our discussions, so, you know, it kept coming up that well, that was pointing to AD seventy. That judgment was pointing to AD seventy. That elect was pointing to AD seventy. And again, I agree. That's exactly what's happening here. You know, uh, correct those who are in opposition if God grant them to repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. Again, what we're talking about is those that are sticking to law, those that were following Hymenaeus and Philetus, sticking to their youthful lust, or when they were a child, they thought as a child, spoke as a child, right? All those old covenant things, they're clinging to them. They're, they don't want to come to repentance, and it's saying that if God will give them over to repentance, that they would eventually come to the truth of the Messiah. Obviously, they would be saved physically, again, from that destruction of Jerusalem, as Josephus records. Not one Christian died in that, uh, that judgment. But... They would have left, and then they would have been saved spiritually as well. So what we can gather from that in 2014 is that God gives people over to repentance. <laughs> That's Again, that, that seems to be a spiritual truth that you could draw right out from that text. I haven't seen – you know, I, this week at church, I uh, preaching my uh, message, I, I had said, you know – the things I'm speaking about with Tulip, you know, and the doctrines of uh, John Calvin, you know, as I'm reading through the Institutes on Christian Religion and studying the canons of Dort, you know, and the, the Tulip concept. I'm also reading some of the new Calvinist stuff from like uh, Daniel Montgomery and uh, his book Proof is Good Stuff. I've been listening to some of the podcasts from his church. And, you know, I, I'm reading, listening to this, and granted, there's areas I disagree because I'm like, oh, that pointed AD 70. Yeah, that was really – and I, it's not that I disagree with the concept. I just disagree with the context. 
And then I'm like, okay, well, that context was pointing to 8070. What does that say for me today? That's what I want us to start doing. As the body of Christ, we need to start saying, what does that mean for us today? Not arguing constantly about what it meant for them. Surely it has a reality for us today, amen? So as I'm going through this, I'm like, wow, okay, so then if perhaps may God grant them in repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Again, I would posit that to be the law. I would, I mean, that beautifully even draws out my understanding of Satan and the devil. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just beautiful. Scripture is amazing. Amen. So I read you all that because I wanted you to hear the words that the Apostle Paul is telling to Timothy. You know, these are this is his encouragement. This is his exhortation. So, oh, everybody's popping up on Facebook. So, again, I, I want to speak about a couple more things. And I actually, I remembered I promised that I was going to accept calls. So I see two callers on. I'll tell you what. I'm going to pay attention to the screen. If you wanted to call and you have something to say, you want to uh, add a detail, maybe I'm missing something, um, just kind of end the call now, call back, and I will uh, put you on. And that way I know you want to... Uh, actually call into the show. I'm asking that we limit the calls to like three to four minutes. That way I could get other people and we could actually get the show uh, over with. Um, I'm not sure if since I started late that if I run over that it might shut us off and you'll have to listen to the podcast rather than listening live. Sometimes it cuts you off on that. I'm just letting everybody know that's listening and um, just catch it on the podcast. I won't stop. I'll keep talking straight through and uh, if you call in, I believe you could talk to me but other people might not be able to hear it until it's out on podcast. So again, you know, I, I want to really just challenge us to uh, live in the implications of being followers of Jesus Christ and live in the implications of a fulfilled eschaton. And one of the things I'm looking to offer through the Power of Preterism Network is um, a uh, training school for living in the fulfilled eschaton life or Learning Institute of Fulfilled Eschatology. And um, I want to start training people up. You know, I have ideas that I do locally. I want to also start opening that up for uh, national stuff. Many of you would know that I have a goal to... Uh, you know, I always joke about taking over the world, and um, I, I really mean that. I want to um, take over the world. I want to plant churches everywhere, local congregations that can edify themselves. Again, this isn't a power structure thing. This is supposed to be a way that we begin to uh, grow and edify one another. So what I want to do is I want to gather as many people as we can in as many areas as we can, and I'm willing to go and you know put my feet to the ground, so to speak, and go out there. Maybe we could do conferences. Maybe we could do um, – you know, uh, just even go to speak. I don't have to be at conferences. Again, if you ever just, you know, you, you have space for me and you want me to just come and visit and uh, spend some time fellowshipping with you and maybe some other believers by you, I would love to do that. Get in touch with me. And, you know, I, I mean that. I, I love talking about spiritual things. I would love to travel. I love traveling. I mean, I'm just, I love doing that. Again, I would have to be on the mercy of my congregation to help me, let me go and edify other people. However, we have a mission to preach the gospel into all the world, and we believe that. Obviously, we know the context in Scripture. However, we believe that's also a goal here now for us. And um, obviously, a lot of great insights from beyond creation science. If you read to the back of the book, you know, a lot of people they get they argue about all the details in the front of the book, and then I'm like, man, but if you just get to the end of the book, the, the, it's amazing. The kingdom reality that we see from the, the end of that book is amazing. So if I could tell you to do one thing this holiday season, you know what? That's going to be my homework for everybody. Get that book, Beyond Creation Science. Get to those last couple chapters where it begins to talk about your worldview, the biblical worldview. What does this all mean for us? And really absorb some of those truths that Jeff and Tim bring out 
for example, you know, I, I know one of the things that they always brought up for me was the um, short-term missions. I've always felt like that. Before I even became a predator, I just seen a lot of this stuff, and I was like, this is such a joke, what we're doing, you know, where you wonder if you're adding anything or if you're taking away. And I, uh, you know, I, I want to add. I want to make sure that when I'm going and I'm speaking to people that I'm, I'm, I'm adding to their lives. I'm not bringing a burden or changing like the way that their culture is. And now all of a sudden, you know, having them killed, not for Jesus, but for the fact that they're leaving their culture. So, you know, again, we want to be long-term missionaries. We want to understand the effect of the gospel in a, a different context and respect that context. And that's areas where that I'm looking to uh, really bring within preterism. I believe God has really structured me and uh, geared me in life and equipped me in areas that I can deal with that. So that's really what I'm reaching out to the preterist community about is, um, you know, I, I appreciate like, Don Preston, I mean, come on. The, the man's awesome. He gets on YouTube daily, and he gives us great teachings, and we have so many amazing articles and books by him, and, you know, so many of the other brothers in Christ that are, you know, brothers and sisters. Let me add that. You know, again, I, I believe our sisters want need to start getting more involved. I would love to have more sisters involved with uh, different efforts and different books and different, you know, ideas. This is this is all important. This is what we need to be displaying as the body of Christ, and I believe that God has, you know, worked with me and built me up in an effort to really be able to offer that to the body of Christ and um again do it for all his glory and uh you know that that's important so one of the things actually I'm going to speak to you uh, just to end on the show tonight about is uh expect expectation let's talk about expectation as preterists right um those of you that are uh futurists that are listening to my show for example you understand that we, um, you know, we, we're waiting, your view of futurist view is that we're waiting for Jesus Christ, right? We're waiting for the judgment, the resurrection to be in this new reality, the blessings of all the promises. And uh, the preterist understands that all those promises were given to Israel, and therefore we're living in the fulfillment of all those blessings, those promises that God has shown himself faithful and worthy and uh, has accomplished all that he promised to Israel, national Israel, and has, you know, a remnant of spiritual Israel has been given to enjoy those blessings. Um, that was God's eternal purpose from the beginning. You know, that that was the whole call of, of covenant and how God has worked through covenant with the people of Israel and how that came to rest on the spiritual Israel that were called out even among the Gentiles. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's important that we, again, a lot of, uh, we see the distinction. Again, that's what I want to focus on. Futurist and preterist distinction. One's waiting, one's not. So, while futurists understand expectation, they're constantly excited. They, they speak about this urgency. A lot of times, preterists don't have that. right? We, we don't have really an expectation or an urgency. We're kind of like, no, we're here. And I, I do believe that has had an uh, ill effect on the body of Christ. I believe uh, you know, the failure to understand what judgment might be, what judgment might have rendered. You know, a lot of times we see this universalist stuff within preterism and um, – well, not within preterism, but, you know, without preterism, but coming from preterism. Um, we see a lot of uh, – you know, there's a lot of strange soteriological or salvation-type views. Um, you know, I'm waiting for, like, the, the religious sect of preterists to pop up, and, you know, you have to wear a certain style pants, a certain size dress. We see a lot of them being drawn out, and a lot of times our uh, detractors, you know, the people that are speaking against preterism, they utilize that. For example, earlier today I was listening to parts of my debate with uh, Sam Frost that I did back in, what was that, 2012, and um, or early, I think it was the beginning of 2013. And I, um, I, you know, I'm listening, and one of his arguments was that 
a lot of preterists they become antinomian. You know, they they, they end up um, feeling like they they don't have to follow any law. You know, the law is bad. The law is you know horrible. I don't have to live according to that, and they end up living however they want because they can't find a. Or he was saying how you know we use scripture and we'll say, oh well, that scripture was fulfilled, therefore it has no use for me today, and uh, that's it. And you know, and, and basically, as I've been really teaching my congregation and a lot of my friends and family is that there's a difference between living the way Christ want us, wants us to live and living the way we think Christ wants us to live. You see, and a lot of people are very comfortable living with the way they think Jesus would want them to live. I'm not. I hope you're not either. I want to live as if it's about what worship God in spirit and in truth because those are the type of worshipers that God desires. So, my goal is to live the way that Jesus wants me to live in a post-judgment context. So I have to seek that out. I have to really absorb scripture. I have to stop arguing on Facebook all the time. And sometimes I have to just sit down and, you know, say, sit at the foot of the cross. And, you know, and, and again, the reason why I say sit at the foot of the cross, I know a lot of preterists are like, why would you say that? If, you know, what, you gonna, what am I going to say? Sit on the ruins of Jerusalem? That might work too. Sit on the ruins of Jerusalem, look around and say, I guess a physical system, a man's righteousness does not work. Amen? You see how that works? We can use past things to in, give us insight into the future. But we need not be scared of doing that. And that's, you know, again, I, I think that we, we really should be growing in those things. You know, for example, um, talking about expectation, uh, this morning in my common prayers, I was sharing with a couple friends, I um, I got to talking about how, you know, the futurists, they're expecting God to change the world. That's how futurists live with expectation. You know, again, Christmas time brings out a lot of expectation. It's um, while we're glorifying God in the futurist context, we're glorifying God for his first advent, you know, coming in the flesh, dying, ascending to God, and we're expecting God to come in his second. So the preterist says, no, we're not doing that, right? But then we don't really offer – a lot of times I feel like we say no, but we don't offer the solution. And I would say, no, we don't. That's not what, what the reality we live in. What we live in is a reality that he's come for his first advent, he's come for his second advent, and what we're expecting is to see the body of Christ grow into the full reality of Jesus Christ, to really walk worthy of, the, of all that, they've, that God has accomplished for them. You see, so that's our expectation. The preterist expectation is to see us live in light of all the things that God has accomplished. That's what I'm expecting. So... As I carry out Christmas, as I carry out Advent, as I carry out um, you know, into 2015 making New Year's resolutions, my goal is really just to live out Ephesians 3.10, to make known the manifold wisdom of God. Let the church make known the manifold wisdom of God. That's the reason God has created the church. That's the goal. Again, I'm not talking about my local assembly or your local assembly. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the believers. I think they're in every congregation, denomination, and you know, sometimes sitting at home just playing on their computer. I, I don't believe that you know you have to be in any certain location. I do believe you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I do believe you have to be baptized. I do believe that you have to believe that Jesus is the only way. I do believe you have to be a diligent student of Scripture. I do believe you have to desire to walk worthy. Those are the things that I believe we need to demand, and I don't think there's anything wrong with setting up what we demand. You know, somebody asked me the other day, uh, well, how would you know if I'm going to heaven? And I was like, well, I don't really make that my business. That's not my job. You know, I said, what I do, or how would you know I'm saved, or I'm a believer, or, you know, I, I'm covered in Christ? And I said, I don't really, I don't think that's my job. My job is to edify and to encourage you to grow into Jesus Christ. You are the one that has to find that within yourself if you're doing that. 
You see, so I can't look from the outside of you and say whether or not you're living that because it's going to be a different reality for different people. People have different convictions. People have, you know, stronger consciences in different areas. So it's always going to look a little different. And that should not be our job to judge one another. It should be our job to encourage one another. So I said to my friend, I said, well, instead of me just kind of giving you that very vague statement, let me uh, elaborate a little more. Um, somebody actually told me today, sometimes I'm a little too vague. So I, I want to uh, deal with the implications. Again, you know, deal with the implications of the vague statement. Um, so I said, well, let me set out to tell you what I believe are my conditions from what I've understand about the truth of God, um, what I believe the implications are for you to uh, be a member of the body of Christ. And I just, you know, proceeded to say what I just said to you. And I think that was received well. I, I believe that, you know, it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's what his conditions are. Again, I wasn't imposing. I wasn't being nasty. I was just saying these are my conditions. And uh, I, I really do. I, I just, I guess, you know, I just believe we need to walk worthy of that. We really do need to grow into that and live into that. So that that's what... You know, this season, I'm encouraging us as preterists, especially those that are being consistent in their Christianity, is to be the change. We can't expect God to change the world. We're the ones that are supposed to change the world. And see, our theology really teaches that. So that, that that's that. You know, again, I think we need to get rid of the, the um, Sam Frosts that are, you know, knocking preterism, saying that, you know, these people are living however they want. They don't even know what verse to apply. Again, I can't pick up my Bible and just say, oh, well, this verse applies to me. I could say oh, well, this verse applied to them, but this is how I live in light of it. You see, and that's the power that we have right there. So I wanted tonight, I kind of structured tonight to just be a conversation. So I hope you, uh, I thank you all that tune in diligently. I've been excited to see the amount of people that have been listening to some of the broadcasts. And, um, you know, I really do pray for you this holiday season. I pray that, you know, you, you utilize this time. You know, one of the things I've been speaking about at our church is uh, about intentionality in everything. Is, you know, when we, uh, for example, we do men's breakfast, and I brought this up at a, a church meeting recently. I said, well, we do, um, we do men's breakfasts once a month, and a lot of times that with the men's breakfast, you know, we'll talk about the latest news, or we'll kind of just, like, just talk. And I'm like, we're not really being intentional about anything. You know, are we being intentional to try to talk to our waitress, which, again, we're, we're intentional in being kind to the waitress, of course, but are we being intentional for Jesus? And again, I do believe that your kindness is a part of it, that intentionality, but I believe there's more that we could be doing. I believe there's more of a worthiness that we could be uh, walking in, and that's what, I, uh, that's what I'm exhorting us to, and that's what I'm exhorting myself to. I'm not telling you anything I haven't told myself already this morning in prayer, so uh, that's, that's what I have for tonight. I, I hope you were edified by that. I hope you're challenged by that, and um, again, I invite you to visit thepowerofpreterism.com and look at how we begin to update that site. Right now it's at its very basics. The site will begin to be updated, and um, we'll have a lot of exciting details coming into 2015. If I may just uh, give you a quick uh, information, March 20th through the 22nd, 2015, we're having the Power of Preterism Conference here at the Blue Point Bible Church. That's uh, Blue Point, New York, for those of you that are out of state. And what we're seeking to do is focus on the theme of the biblical narrative. Not only what does the biblical narrative teach us in its fullness, but also what does it imply? How should we live in light of it? What should we be doing in light of a fulfilled eschaton? As far as preterism growing as a concept, you know, what should we be doing? How can we be furthering those efforts? You know, should it just continue this online phenomenon, or should we be fostering local congregations? And how do we go about doing that? And how do we go about doing more conferences? Should we be writing more books? What should we be doing? Should we be selling them? Should we put them on PDF? I want to be the, the go-to person. I want to help everybody with that. I don't want to be the go-to person. Let me change that. No, no, no. I want the power of preterism to become the go-to network, because I want you and Involved. I want everybody that you know has a part in this preterist stuff and you know sees the truth of preterism to get involved. I would love for you to help me with videos, writings, websites, um, taking over the world. 
you know, my friends, they'll tell you, you know, they come over sometimes and I'll be on my computer. They go, oh, what'd you do today? I'm like, oh, I just continued working on taking over the world. And, you know, my friends know that I mean that. I believe that's what will give glory to God. So, Power of Preterism Conference, March 20th through the 22nd, 2015. It's Friday through Sunday. Um, we're going to have, you know, I'm looking to have a lot of great speakers so far. I know uh, we have Joe Daniels coming. I know Sam Bradford. Um, we have... Uh, Couple other guys. I'm trying to get Derek Lambert here, Ryan Cataldo. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get everybody I can. You know, we had a lot of great people come last year. Norman Neal was here last year. Cliff Payne was here last year. Um, Don Preston was here last year. Joe Daniels was here last year. Um, you know, again, it's an amazing time. This is the second one this year. And what we're doing locally is we're not going to focus so much on preterism. We're going to, you know, of course it'll say it on there, but we're going to advertise it more of the biblical narrative. And that way, you know. We begin to get away from this like this corner. I feel like a lot of times we're pushed in due to the term preterist or eschatology related. I'm not talking about eschatology. I'm talking about the whole Bible from beginning to end. I know my, my fellow covenant creationists out there. I know they could definitely understand uh, the full narrative. You know, looking at the the beginning in light of the end, and then looking at the full story and saying, "What do I do here in 2014?" Or as we're, you know, again, I think we have two more shows, <laughs> one more show in 2014. So what are you supposed to do in 2015? So make that your goal. Um, real quickly, next show, next uh, Tuesday morning. My shows are usually at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So next Tuesday's uh, the 30th. If you tune in, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be uh, talking about the the rapture and a lot of that stuff on the History Channel on March 29th and the 30th. They actually have a um, a uh, movie night of the rapture, and they're going to be talking about. It. And obviously, it's a futurist thing, and I want to I want to pick it apart and talk about it. And um, it'll, I think it'll be an exciting show on March 30th. I have friends coming over. We're already planning, you know, popcorn and all that good stuff, and just kind of hanging out and watching the the movie. So um, I invite you to watch that and engage that show next Tuesday morning at uh, 8 a.m. And at the end of the show, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And the reason why I've spoken so much heart on a heart-to-heart -heart level with you tonight is because I believe that that's what we're doing for Christmas, is we're celebrating Christ. We're, we're celebrating all that was expected and ultimately being challenged by what should be expected of us. And I'm becoming good at those little cliche statements. I'm going to keep working on them. So, uh, again, Merry Christmas. Um, you know, I'll talk to you before the New Year, so I wish you a Happy New Year, and I'll have more challenges for you in the New Year. I uh, pray God's blessing over you, your family. And I mean that. I mean that. And, um, you know, if you receive this, please, please receive that with uh, all that it was meant to be uh, intended. And um, let Christ be glorified. Amen. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I give you all the glory, Lord God, and I thank you for all that you are accomplishing in and through believers all over the world. Lord, I lift up the persecuted believers, especially in Iraq, Lord, that are going through so much due to uh, the persecution of Islamic extremists, Lord. And I just I lift them up to you, Lord, and I pray that I can stand with them, that I can pray for them, that your divine providence covers them, Lord, and your healing and comfort and peace just takes over that region, Lord. I uh, lift up the, the fellow believers on Facebook that are tuned into the show, those that were not able to tune into the show, Lord, you know who they are. I lift them up to you, Lord, for just a powerful, God-glorifying week, Lord, that we would continue to see you in all things, Lord, we would grow into you, that we would know you as you are and become just like you, Lord. And I, I just lift up... a. The body of Christ, Lord, and I lift up all that's going on in the world with the chaos with the police department, Lord. I lift up the police department for their safety, Lord, and uh, I lift up, you know, all the, the race issues, Lord, and I just pray your peace takes over this world, Lord, and that you captivate the nations with your glory. And Lord, we give you all the glory in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I uh, apologize again about all the delays, and I wish God's blessing over your life. And Merry Christmas. Tune in next Tuesday, March 30th, on um, March. Wow. December 30th, 2014, 8 a.m. I'll be here. Hopefully you will as well. God bless you.